0: Okay, CJ. Since you're the guest for this podcast, we're going to give you the option of who you want to dedicate this episode to. Uh, I love the
1: idea of dedicating. That's <laughs> that's that's a that's an yeah. honor. Um, I I will go with um, as I've been thinking about for the premiere. You know, we have to talk a little bit. Um, yeah, and so I, I want to shine a light on. Uh, my producer, who's also my long time girlfriend, Sasha Rail, uh, just you know the the unsung hero of of making the whole thing happen. Um, so yeah, I'd love to dedicate that to her. Wonderful.
0: Hi, I'm Nick. Welcome to another episode of the St. Paul Filmcast. This episode, we have uh, the writer and director of the film Gun. It premieres this week, June 13th, at the Heights Theater. His name is C.J. Renner. This is his first full feature film, though he has written and directed some other short films, as well as he has another short film um, in the making as well that we, get, we talk about in the interview. Uh, C.J. also is a writer of a s- couple other comic books. We have also talked about that, and uh, we had him in the studio. And it was a nice conversation, talking about writing, um, director, um, all the variety of different uh, positions and hats he's had to um, juggle as he's making this feature film. Um, it was a great, great time to sit down and talk to him about that all variety of aspects of film and writing and directing so we'll definitely have that interview after these messages hey everyone i'm billy and i'm joe we are from the podcast zero supervision we have episodes monday through friday and we cover the latest in pop culture and current events with a comedic twist we are not safe for work or for children seriously you'll get fired (laughs) you can follow us on twitter at zero supervision and wherever podcasts are found thank you very much everyone peace out bye Hey you, yeah you, what are you doing after you finish this great podcast you're listening to? Well, whatever it is, you're gonna blow that off and listen to the IMDB Journey podcast instead, hosted by Daniel, that's me. And Dean, that's me. Join us on our journey as we tackle the IMDB Top 250 list breaking down one movie a week, giving our own rankings as we go, as well as our
1: incredibly intelligent and insightful thoughts too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We also throw in a random quiz or movie battle every once in a while and have a punt on it, because us Aussies, we love a good punt. Daniel, this is a G-rated promo. You can't say that. I said punt, Dean. Punt. (sighs) You dickhead. So come join us on the journey by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher or any other podcast apps, and follow us on Twitter at IMDbJourney. And now back to your regular scheduled programming. Okay, all right. We are back on the St. Paul Filmcast, and today we have C.J. Renner, whose latest movie, Gun, premieres Wednesday um, coming on. He is the writer and director of the movie. Um, I got to ask you about how come you didn't start in it? Uh, Well, I
1: definitely, for many years in my... Uh, late teens, early 20s, the first Rocky movie was like my favorite <laughs> yeah. thing. And so um, I definitely love that idea. And um, I do love to wear a lot of hats. Probably my very poor acting <laughs> in the in earlier short film of ours uh, yeah. is what scared me away <laughs> from that. I do. Um, I step in front of the screen for about 20 seconds at okay. one point in the film. Um, but I, I will go on record as saying that was completely by necessity. I asked every other person who was around, you know, we just needed...
0: Something, s- yeah. Something. Kind of an extra. Yeah.
1: And everybody else, you know, had, was too had too much to do, was too <laughs> busy making the movie look good or whatever, so... Uh, I had no choice, I swear.
0: Um, your primary, uh, not only have you done Gun, you've also done comic books. You've, you've mm-hmm. collaborated with um, artist Jim Clark to do a collider. Yeah, yeah. You have another book coming out as well. I wanted to mention that before we get on to your movie. Yeah,
1: thanks. Yeah, we, we have... Um, so we did that whole uh, run of colliders, yeah. eight issues, and, and kind of a trade that compiles those. Um, and then our new one is called Henri. It's about um, a magician, a French magician in the American Old West, and so he's traveled He travels from town to town with his son, and um, you know he's his son loves gunfighters and whatnot, and his father is kind of anything but that. He's kind of the you know effeminate showman. Sure, and so there's there's some tension there, and then it's it's got a little bit of that. You know, I don't kind of kung fu or whatever, where you get to uh, travel from town to town with each issue, and, and you know, there's a, a overarching story, but there's also
0: that kind of episodic feel to it. Oh, that's nice. So you've only got one issue right now. Yep, yep. And we came out had... with
1: our first issue a few months ago, and um, other ones in, in the works, um, the artist who – I've worked with for a bunch of years, um, Jim Clark, as you mentioned, um, kind of comes from a fine art background and just has a real, uh, passion for drawing horses and, and that kind of thing. Um, and so we, we really wanted, we knew doing the first thing that was sci-fi that whatever the second thing was going to be, it had to have (laughs) lots of horses (laughs) in it. So yeah. All right.
0: Um so and you written that as um, the comic book, and, and now you've written the screenplay for this movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So do you do screenplays for comic books as well, the movie kind of the same kind of way?
1: Yeah, that's that's a that's a great question. There are definitely a ton of similarities, um, a few differences. I would say that screenwriting and comic book writing are more similar than like if you're gonna write a comic book, Right. Probably easier to move from screenwriting than it is from like prose novel writing or something like that um, because I, and I think the what they have in common is that you're communicating not with your eventual viewer or audience you're communicating with your collaborators yeah so you know your screenplay nobody is ever gonna read that you know, buy a ticket to read that.
0: Right. The audience is not going to understand the the screenplay, but you're exactly. Writing,
1: right. Exactly. And so you're you're painting a picture for your collaborators. Um with both screenplays and comic book scripts, um it there can be a little bit of a tricky balance in that you are somewhat performing for a potential um imprint or editor or something. So, you know, you want to make that say comic book script um, great for your um, illustrator. Yeah. But you also sometimes need to kind of serve two masters by making it great for them, but also making it pop in a way that, you know, an imprint might pick it up. Right.
0: Yeah. And this is like a pop, something new that you haven't mm-hmm. seen before. So mm-hmm. um, when you were doing this movie, were you thinking about something that, like, an, like, an, something that audience has never really seen before, even though it's kind of a, cause maybe a similar context he's seen before
1: yeah yeah i um i tend not to have like a story i want to tell before i sit at at the computer um what i what i'll start with is kind of uh more of like a uh, a few different ideas i want to tackle sure so like absurdism was a big one for me and and, um, ambition and, you know, stuff like that. And I'll kind of sit and like, where do these, you know, in the Venn diagram of all these things, where do they kind of meet? And then also, you know, you throw into that, just the cool stuff you've seen in the last (laughs) month or, you know, whatever. Um, and so this is kind of what popped out of that. And then another big factor is, um, looking at the resources you have on hand and, um, you know, it's like, you know, if you know, um a a great you know sound guy or something or if you know uh you know you're an actor who can who is a a great opera singer or you know something like that the more of those you can work into your script the you know more kind of production value you're going to get um and so this kind of was born out of a whole bunch of those things kind of tied together yeah um,
0: this is not your f- uh, first movie. You've done one prior to this, right? Um, this would be our first feature. Okay. Um,
1: we have, since we finished this one, we've shot another one and we're doing post production on that one. Okay. Um, we've done a couple of short films and um, like a 45 minute film. So okay. I, it would just sometimes I would consider that to be a short film.
0: I just want to establish that this is not your, like your first time ever really doing a, well, it's a full full feature one, but it's not the first time you ever were behind a camera and doing a movie. Yeah,
1: exactly. And, and of course, you know, when I did, you know, my first short film, I, I was already asking people to, you know, give me money to make a a feature film thinking that I already had the chops, you (laughs) know, and uh, I'm, you know, somewhat glad I didn't get you know I wasn't allowed to do that Um, but I think you could you could always say that you know you you are being thrown into the deep end or whatever when you make in a feature but I do you know whenever I talk to people who are making short films I do like to point out that um, from my point of view making a feature is really only three or four times more work than making making a short because when you're making a short you still got to assemble a ton of people and right. you know put stuff on the calendar and whatever and so you know whenever people are making shorts uh, i do like to mention like you know it's very possible that doing the feature is is going to open up more doors for you than doing three shorts or something
0: so how long did it take you kind of write this script I'm on.
1: Um, I do, I do tend to write pretty darn fast and okay. there's, I mean, I could talk for two hours about the kind of genesis of the project, but the, the two minute version, um, is that, um, we had some folks who were, we were working with yeah. who, um, felt like they could get a certain amount of money to make the project. Okay, And, um, so we were immediately, uh, we all decided to put ourselves on a pretty tight timeline um which is the way I'm most comfortable working I I definitely like to do things as fast as possible um and so the actual writing of the script probably took like maybe a month okay um and you know you're always you know they say you you make a movie 3 times once when you write it once when you film it and then once when you edit it and sure. that that is very true and so um the you know the actual writing of the words onto the page maybe only took a month, but um you know that's by no means anywhere close to the
0: end of the creative process of the story right uh so when you do mul- you don't do very multiple takes, you do one or a couple and then let's just move on and um yeah it's uh a pretty big variety there
1: um okay uh and time management in production is definitely the from my view and I, I would say probably a lot of people would feel the same way is really the biggest lens that you're looking through when you're when you're when you're in production it's okay it's kind of all about time management and so there as as best as you can um you're Looking for okay, what are the scenes that we really, really need to nail in a certain way, and you know, you make a little extra time for those. Yeah. And what what are the scenes that are, you know, a little more workman like that? You know, you might be able to, you know, have a little bit of fudge room with them. And and what are the scenes that we have time to uh, rehearse and, and and so you know, there's a there's a pretty. Um, there were there are days you know you're at the end of a day and you've got a certain setup and it's like you know we've got three scenes to shoot and they're only you know one minute scenes yeah um, but you know really it's like we got to get them in one or two takes you know and and that's you try not to yeah. do that to your actors and thankfully we didn't do that very often um, but um, you know there's other ones where you do it 10 times and you, yeah. you kind of get diminishing returns too. You know, you realize that the seventh time was the one, you right. know, and you got to know when to kind of cut bait.
0: So. I always I le- learned um, just with other people that have filmmakers that sometimes when you do multiple takes, why don't do the same thing over again. Do mm-hmm. a different like variety. So when you go editing, I like this better than just having five different of the same thing, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I I definitely, I I see wisdom in that. I think... Um, I tend to be pretty, um, crystallized in what I want. Okay. Um, and so I don't, as much as I would like to, I, I tend to not encourage a ton of improvisation from actors with, with the words at least. Um, I definitely love a ton of input from them about, you know, when they can, express a line just kind of with their face without saying something or, you know, if they feel like their character would do something else, right. I like to talk okay. those out, Yeah, but I don't do a ton of um just shooting. This d- yeah. The just idea. throw in something, right. you know, odd at them. And I, I love those stories. You know, when I, when I hear about, you know, films where right. great yes. lines were improvised <laughs> or whatever. Um, and, and there, there are a couple that were improvised in this, in this, Film, but um, I tend to, you know, be. I'd like to spend more time rehearsing, yeah, than than getting those extra kind of ways of reading things.
0: So it looks like you already had your crew assembled before you did your feet from doing other short films. So it's the same kind of crew that you worked before.
1: Yeah, we. I'd say maybe half of the people were folks that we'd worked with or worked for. Um, on other, I, you know, I try to go and be a production assistant for things around town just to, you know, meet people and see how they work. Right. Um, and then the other half, um, were people we hadn't, um, I mean, one of the very key crew members is your director of photography and we hadn't worked together before. Um, he does music videos and I liked his work and I'd, I'd heard an interview with him and he just sounded like somebody we'd work well with. Um, so but since then we've continued to work with pretty much everybody okay. on our on our crew.
0: Yeah. And and how did you go about casting? Did you have like a, um, a, a so, casting call or
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, my producer, Sasha Rail, uh does our our casting and we had worked with um almost all of our worked with or met just about all of our cast. Um and a couple of them were people who we'd Seen them in things, or or seen uh, been in you know, auditions that they were in, yeah. and just said like we need to find a spot for them in something soon. So we were able to kind of you know sort of write some parts that seemed appropriate for people we wanted to work with. Our main actor Andrew Stecker is somebody we hadn't worked with. I'd seen him around a little bit, and I'd seen him um, in some roles, um, and so we had you know, our our main character was was the biggest question mark when we went out to do our casting, right? (laughs) Right, yeah. Um and so we we had a a pretty formal, you know, casting process where each of our maybe five or six main roles we had three, four people in and, and um and, you know, technology nowadays what's great is um when Sasha was casting the net for you know, to find these actors, um, you can, you can look at people's reels, you can have people send in, you know, a little monologue or whatever. Um, so you already have a really good idea of how people are going to fit and that way you're not wasting a lot of people's time. And, uh, one thing we did that was really, I I was very thankful for is we would have somebody come in and read and, and then we would work with them, you know? So like, instead of having a you know come in and do your bit for three to five minutes, it was come in, you know, give us kind of your cold read oh,
0: okay, yeah. and
1: then you know let's work together as director producer and actor and um and a lot of times we'd have two people kind of working uh two actors working together on a scene just you know how how do they take direction how yeah. how much can they i i really um really important skill for actors that I've discovered, at least for my style of, I don't know, editing and and filmmaking is if an actor can do something, uh, do a scene, and then you as a director can say, all right, I'm going to move the camera, do the scene as close to that as possible in terms of like when you paused, when you sat up, when you, whatever. Because, you know, unfortunately, if they can't do that, pretty well, then a lot of stuff's going to get, the best stuff is going to get lost in the the cutting room floor. That's very much
0: different between like a stage theater acting and movie acting.
1: Yeah, and uh, that's that's completely true. Um, I have found that um, people who are very good stage actors, uh, specifically one of our actors, uh, Peter Christian Hansen, um, is just, you know, a plus stage actor, and um from the stage, I guess yeah. he's very aware of his his body movement yeah. and so um yeah I, I i if I see that somebody's had a lot of stage work i th- that's a big plus in my book
0: so uh locations did you do this much in studio or did you do on locations
1: yep, yep, so um we um part of how we wanted to organize the film in terms of getting the maximum, um, I don't know, for lack of a better way of putting it, the most expensive looking movie and sounding movie. Right, that's everybody's struggle, dollars. isn't it? Right, right. Yeah. you know. Um, what we decided to do was somewhat similar to there's a movie called Dogville. Um, which is a Lars von Trier movie, right?
0: I think it's what mm, 10 years, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I'd say about exactly that. Um, and it's one of those movies that I, I think, you know, personally is kind of half genius and half not so good movie. <laughs> right. Um, which is the kind of movie that should be remade, you know, or should be looked at, you know, because I think,
0: I think if everybody, if you can describe the setup, it's yeah. very unique,
1: yeah, like, it's it's um frankly the the biggest problem with it is they shot it on like just handy cam dv whatever and yeah. you know that was von Trier's like thing of the you know just thing he decided was important at the time which is you know great or whatever but um but the the conceit of the movie is that it's all takes place on a really big sound stage yeah and um there's no real sets, everything is just kind of chalked out yeah, on, like the, on the put floor. Yeah,
0: like a piece of tape, and it's yeah. supposed to be a window.
1: And- exactly, exactly. So you can see, I mean, I think the opening shot of the movie is a bird's-eye view of the town, and you see the essentially the floor plan of the town, you know, this, right. let's say, bakery yeah. here. Um, but what's so, so great about that is is that film is... A lot of it is about kind of the secrets we keep from each other and whatever, yeah. and so and, you know it's it's a pretty intense movie. Um, there'll be you know something illicit happening in one room, and then right next to them, you know, somebody's just sweeping up their you know house or whatever. Um, and so the actors can see each other, but the you know they can see the movies that they're in different rooms and separated, and it's very very effective. And we wanted to do that. Um, kind of style, and
0: also it's a it's a less distraction, right? It, you mm-hmm. focus, you don't, you know, have an elaborate set. You focus yeah. more on the performers.
1: Exactly, exactly. And something that that movie doesn't do as much of as we wanted to is the, the, um, something neat about that kind of setup is you can really push in on your actors, and yeah. we wanted to get you know quite a bit of close ups, and um, the. The lighting, the gaffing in our film, we wanted to really make that creative and and special and and something where, you know, n- not a ton of films do you walk out of and go, well, wow, the lighting was a really important part of that. And we wanted that to be an important part of what we were doing. And so that's kind of a key difference okay. from that Dogville movie. Well, it's good that so.
0: you're like conscious of it you have like a almost like a dog feel we have less distraction of a setup and more mm-hmm. concert, and then really enhance the lighting and the mood and stuff mm-hmm. yeah. yeah
1: and um in a lot of ways filming you know on a real street and in real offices which we've you know we've done plenty of that in a lot of ways that's easier because you know yeah, the you office already that. looks like the office you don't right. have to build you know a fake window or whatever um but what's so huge about what we did just all on one stage is you're not moving every day or, you know, you're not having company moves in the middle of the day. Right. So you can like,
0: set up your sound boards and sound equipment and it's there when you exactly. come back. That's so nice. Exactly. Isn't it? And so, yeah.
1: you know, we shot in, I think it was 13 days. And if they had been real world locations, you know, it would have been probably a 22 days. And, um, and then the other thing is it it lets you shoot a period piece like ours, and you know you just if you'd never shoot a period piece, you know set in the forties for I don't know less than a couple million dollars probably because you gotta have all the cars, cars and right. the, you know whatever. Yeah. So um, that hopefully sets us apart from other indie films. You know you don't see a lot of indie period films.
0: Um, costume. Who was in charge of costume? Yeah. So we had. Um,
1: um, lady by the name of, uh, Lisa Marie Garardini. Yeah. And, um, she had never done films before. I, I, i trying to remember even how we met. Um, I think we had met at some art show or something, sure. Sasha and Lisa and I, and, um, she had a ton of, you know, she just has a real thing for the forties And, um, so she had a ton of that stuff on hand and then she also, um, you know, she's just kind of a style maven. And so she also had, um, sources available for a lot of our, the furniture that we use and the props and stuff like that. And then we, we rounded it out with, um, being as there's so much good theater in town, there's also very good costume rental places. So, um, I'd say half or two thirds of, what we had Lisa already had. And then we, we fleshed it
0: out a little bit with rentals. So, um, since you're doing, you've, you don't, you're familiar with comic books and done movies. Did Mm -hmm. you actually do storyboards for this movie? You know what? Um, we didn't do storyboards. I've, um,
1: I have kind of storyboarded my own, um, stuff before. Okay. And, on on my very first um short film I um, I realized I mean it was a 2 day shoot and I realized about 10 minutes in the first day I set the storyboards down and didn't look at them again you know and um I think sometimes I run the risk of being too controlling for my own good
0: well and, and it's nice to keep yourself in check right yeah,
1: yeah and so I think You know, really, um, letting those or, or understanding that it's necessary for those collaborators to really have a voice, um, is, is something I've learned to do and, you know, hopefully continue to learn to do. And, and, you know, just for me, um, really expressing to them every day, um, you know, at the beginning of the day, that, you know, what what are they seeing for this? What are they, you know, what, uh, you know, whatever. Like just letting it be a collaborative team, right? And, um, uh, I think, you know, every once in a while, somebody might walk on set. You know, it's their first day as a as a you know a, a day player or whatever, and they might not know who the director is because, you know, when things are going pretty well, I'm, I'm pretty quiet. Um, and, um, but I think, you know, the the hope is that they see the finished product and, and they like it. And then also, um, you know, I'm, I'm not there to look like a director and I'm not there to like, on a power trip. You know, you, know
0: I, you notice a lot of other directors do that. They, you know, they have yeah, to they you make know, sure that they everybody notices them there. And,
1: I, I've definitely seen that. And, know. and I've, I've seen the other way of, of a director that I think is getting bowled over by, you know, a, a cinematographer who's too, you know, bossy or something like that, or yeah. an actor who won't, you know, too stubborn. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, you know, I try to watch out for that myself as well, but, Um, you know, at at this stage, at this career stage, I think a really great thing is that I'm not, you know, on a, on a big film, perhaps you're a director and you walk on and you've never met, you know, half of your crew or whatever, whereas this, you know, we make sure that we go out to a bar and, you know, have everybody there for one, you know, nice three or four hour, just, you know, shooting the breeze session And you make sure you can work together and, and, you know, whatever. And it's about, I think, being polite and being conscientious and and truly understanding that, like, you know, that that cinematographer is better at cinematography than I am. (laughs) The sound guy is better at sound than I am. You know, whatever. And so really, like, keeping that in mind, I think, is is healthy. Now, you didn't edit the film? Um, I didn't. uh, We had our editor was a guy named Frank Foster Bolton, a young guy who um, we'd worked on a short film together. Okay. And um, we've worked together since then, and he's gone on to edit some more expensive features since then, which is great. but the cinematographer and I also did a lot of the editing too, so a lot of it
0: was the three of us well, in a room, even though it wasn't there. just exclusively, even though you did a lot but so you were were your right. part were you involved with the editing as well even though you did yeah, quite a bit, quite a okay. bit and
1: um um I do really um you know i I think it's so important for a director to you know, and I'm only you know early career or whatever but for a director to have sat in the editing booth for long hours. Cause that's like, that's you, the more that a director can know yeah. or, or even, a, um, yeah. Anybody on, on set can know like, Hey, this scene isn't even going to make it into the movie. Let's just, not shoot it you know right yeah i mean that's just so valuable and the editor is really so frank was also on set for most of our shoot oh, okay and um that's really the editor is really the only person that the director can look to and you know in a way the editor kind of has a, a, a strange authority over the director right in that you know you can look and say like you know hey did we get it is this is this scene gonna match that other scene that we shot? And so, uh, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't shoot a film without my editor on
0: set. That was you, really valuable. When I took my film history mm-hmm. classes and classes, and everybody told you know every, directors get you know the stars and mm-hmm. but the guy who's telling the story is the editor, right? And you right. better be good friends with the editor yeah, because totally. he's he's actually the one that's putting the pieces. He's like a puzzle, right? He's mm-hmm. got all the takes and he's putting them all the fit yeah. of nice telling of the story totally yeah because I mean I, it's it's one of those unsung heroes that definitely pays off in the end as a really good edited movie totally and you know in in my mind
1: I only know of maybe two or three people in town who like really you know like, their business card says editor. Like, that's what they <laughs> right. want to be. You know, there's... Our, our director of photography yeah. is a phenomenal editor, you know, but that's not that's not what yeah. he wants to do. Sure. And there are a lot of people, a lot of directors in town who ended up editing their own stuff, which, like I said, that, that can be really good. But, you know, in terms of people who, like, live and die, you, yeah. you know, eat, breathe, and
0: sleep editing, there aren't that many. And Because he, not only to do with the film, you have to work with the sound and where, how sound was going to fit into... Yeah. And, all yep. that stuff.
1: and and it can be, I I think why there aren't a lot of editors around is, um, it, uh, people you know a director might think or a producer might see all the great stuff that they shot. And what, Yeah. Yeah, and and as an editor, you know, there's a certain percentage of that you just have to throw out because it doesn't match, you know, and and that's that's just the reality of of filmmaking and somebody who's made five films is going to understand that, but a first-time director is going to, you know, or, or a producer is going to be, like, not happy with the edit sometimes, and, sure. unless they're in the
0: room, you know. Um, it's set in the 40s. That's right. Yep. Did you ever entertain the idea of doing black and white?
1: Yeah. Um, during uh, – we hadn't thought about that during pre-production. Okay. And hadn't thought about it during production because I love, you know – Pink and blue, neo noir. You know, right. or, You know, really strong colors. Um, and I'm, I'm a little colorblind, and I don't know if that's why, but like, I like really hypersaturated stuff. Um, now, after we shot it, when we had assembled it, yeah. we did mess around with um, having it all in black and white, just see what that looked like, and also like um, trying to um play with i mean there's things kind of change for one or two, one or two of the characters and seeing if yeah. you know going from black and white to color would you know emphasize that change or not but in the end um the the lighting um was crew this, that we had was just too good yet you want to put color yeah <laughs> yeah and and you know exactly there's when you make an all black and white thing there's a yeah. certain amount of expectations that come with that. And and I don't know if it's like pretentious exactly, but... Um, yeah, there's a hint of... Yeah, you, mm-hmm. I, I,
0: I get that sense. There's a hint that you're kind of a smarty pants if you do it.
1: Right. And and there was um the movie The Girl Who Walks Home Alone, Alone at Night or whatever, like kind yeah. of a vampire skateboard. I think that was yeah. in black and white. And it's kind of like, I feel like if you're going to do something black and white, you kind of... Want it to be something that you'd assume would be in color, you know? It's like like you do you're making a creative choice, not like oh, this just feels like a black and white thing. So I'm gonna do it that way. Yeah, it used to be when I was a
0: kid, you just did it because of cost, right, right, right. And that's the only reason you could afford. But nowadays, you just do it as kind of just separate yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah, like a little bit of a style choice. And in fact, our our next film that we're on post. In post production on the current cut of it, the first like eight minutes of it is black and white, and then it switches over to color. Um, oh,
0: that's interesting. Really? As
1: as a little bit of a because it starts with as kind of a conversation, a date conversation, and I think black and white can kind of indicate to people, you know, like I don't know, like clerks or something okay. like that it can indicate, you know, hey, we're 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 in a small intimate kind of thing right now, you know, pay it. This is a character thing. Yep. There's, you know, there's not going to be explosions or whatever. Um, and then we, we transition into color as the
0: action for lack of a better word of the movie kind of ramps up. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so what, what drawn you to a gangster movie? Um, I mean, we should have actually started off with this. Uh, <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, um, you know, it, it's not, um, i mean i don't sit at home and watch gangster movies all day i do i mean i love um heat as, right. the, as a, and i love you know scarface even though that's like you know everybody has the scarface poster or whatever i do think it's just a phenomenal film and and i like some scorsese stuff and you know whatever yeah um but it it felt to me like we needed um because we were going for kind of Absurdist and existentialist kind of questions. Okay, I wanted a skeleton for the movie that was pretty clear, and so you, you kind of, you, you know, you've got this, this thing of of you know the ambitious gangster who's taking over, you know, for his boss who's like a father figure to him or whatever. It's like, okay, I've heard that a bunch of times, you know, right. and but here we're going to put, you know, a a major kind of twist on it. And it felt like if we were going to tell, you know, a strange, a story about, you know, a divorcee garbage man who, you know, loses all his money at the track and, you know, like a story you maybe never heard before. Plus we're going to set it in the theater. Plus we're going to have no sets, you know, whatever. Like that might just be
0: too odd. You know, it probably would be a little too more extrapped for people.
1: Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like we're asking them to make a big step with us. And um, and hopefully the kind of seeing the silk dresses and the Tommy guns and whatever is kind of luscious enough to keep you there for the for the other strange, intentional yeah. things.
0: So it sounds like and having I've only seen the stills, kind of he mm-hmm. kind of kept it a little bit playful for the actors and stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um we definitely um a couple of the characters we leaned into um a little bit of camp which okay. is intentionally you know as as the film kind of as the trying to be too spoilery but as the the world of you know our main character kind of erodes. Yeah. Um and he becomes more aware of his setting that allows the other characters to, to drop some of the realism. And I hate to say that because they still are gritty and, and real, but, um, you know, it allows the cops to be cops
0: and the, and the, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. Um, so you have this like, very realism tone to it. It, it. There's not a lot of mysticism involved.
1: Yeah, we wanted it to be, um, and this was a big, you know, underlined kind of bullet point question mark when we were in pre-production yeah. is like, how can it be, we wanted the look to be glossy and and neo-noir yeah. and and, you know, fine fedoras and whatever so you got that on on the one hand but we also wanted the story to be gritty and real and you know hit at the core of the characters and so you know trying to find the intersection of those two things I think was a big driver for the script and for the production Do you
0: do script readings in pre?
1: No I'm not a big uh, script reading person we did do uh, some you know paid rehearsal days which was great and I uh, I mean that's they were every hour of that was worth its weight in gold for sure. Um, but, um, I don't know. I'm not, I've, I've been to, you know, live reads of other scripts and I think it can be an effective tool for kind of fundraising or, you know, you get a bunch of people, you know, you get Six, ten actors up there and you do it and it helps people imagine, you know, what the story might be like. But, um, if you're, you know, the crew has done this enough to where they don't need that in order to imagine what they have to do. And the cast, I think the script reading, the live script reading doesn't do as much as like, you know, the rehearsal and you're getting into the physicality of it. So I enjoy going to script readings, but like yeah. I said, I think I would only use it if...
0: Absolutely necessary. Yeah,
1: and it. if there were people in the room who, you know, like producers who okay. were thinking about coming on board, it could be a fun, you know, have some drinks and have that as
0: kind of part of the attraction. I think it's fun for that. Yeah. Yeah. I would just have to ask, um so Sasha, does she kind of like gangster dramas or is she yeah. have like a, a taste um, for it as well?
1: We tend to have pretty similar taste in in movies and
0: well that does kind of help a little yeah bit, right?
1: it 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 does yeah. help a lot <laughs> right. and and sometimes um you know the those people who can like really challenge you because they like something different yeah. can be very effective too or helpful too but um we tend to uh i mean we're not super duper snobs but when we go to a movie when we walk out, we're always talking about, like, how well was it made? And so, like, yeah. it doesn't matter if it's... Like everybody does, right? Yeah, Every, right, right. Everybody oh, goes, oh, yeah. yeah. uh And so, you know, we're a little less, like, going to see movies because it's, you know, um,
0: Just for the subject reason. matter or right. whatever. And more, like you know, how well are they doing what they're trying to do? You know, when I was writing my script for the comic book, mm-hmm. and I went, you know, when you get in the groove of writing and you go see something, the first thing that pops out is the, the writing, right? Yeah. And yeah. then when you're doing, like, creativity, like, artistry and all that stuff, you're doing mm-hmm. the art and the visuals, the first mm-hmm. thing that pops out to you is the visual. It's almost like your brain is whatever wavelength that's on. Totally. That's what you, right? I'm sure when you're doing directing, the first thing that pops out to you is the directing. And Yeah,
1: yeah, and I definitely... uh wore a ton of hats for this yeah. you know out of necessity um but i mean the the most you know the, the example that comes to mind when you said that is um when you really are getting into the nitpicky editing of like you know pulling out literally you know one frame here or there you know and and scooching the um you know like if a if the frame is a little too seems a little weighted a little too low yeah like you can you know zoom in three percent and scooch it up or whatever and when you're doing that for a week or two solid and then you go watch a movie it's like you're so in tune with with yeah. oh you know they they should have done the the dynamic pan and they did the linear pan or what you know like, yeah yeah <laughs> it, it gets you know kind of it's just all craft, you know, it's like, there's no art to it or whatever.
0: But uh, Were you conscious of how long it was going to be? Uh, like the runtime?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was pretty, especially since it was our, our first feature, pretty, um, I don't know if I'd say nervous, but I definitely, you know, I wrote it and tried to like, sit there and play it out in my head as to how long, you know, each page is going to be. And I kept a little like minutes and seconds at the bottom. So there was that pass. And then, you know, later on I had had somebody else do that. And then, you know, when we got all the footage together, I think the first cut was two hours and 10 minutes or two hours and 20 minutes or something. Um, And we definitely, we knew we wanted to be in about the one hour and fifty minutes, one hour and forty-five minutes sure. range, yep. um, and so I was definitely—I mean, like when it came in, it significantly over. Um, it was—it was a good thing because it's you know, right. You it, easier to pare it down than it is to you know, easier to go cut and back to something add. else it's, or whatever. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, I was—that was one thing. I was—I was pleased that it felt. Right at yeah.
0: at the right amount of time. So, um, any any surprises that came along during shooting that kind of never thought about before? Um, well, one
1: uh, we had had in it. There's there's two policemen, and okay. we had had it as three, and the two guys who uh, we cast as our policemen, we use we've used before, and like you know actors that I just trust totally yeah. implicitly you know the peter christian hansen i mentioned and, and then tyson leets like you know i would they're they're you know just a plus actors um and we were kind of struggling to find this third person and if i remember right we'd found somebody and then they kind of dipped out like a day or two ahead of time or something sure something like that and i had a little bit of a you know minor I don't know, you know, it, it causes a little like panic or whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, we read through the script and figured out that one of the policemen could absorb kind of the third character, put those two characters together. And he did a great job of doing that. And the, the movie was wow. definitely better for
0: it. So that was that one was of those little nice little like ball. working to, you know, fix a problem. But it actually turns out a little bit better than what you had intended. Totally, totally. Are you still comfortable editing your own scripts, or are you kind of outsource that? <laughs> um,
1: yeah, you know, I've I haven't really found, you know, the the person or the group that I like, you know, really really trust. To right. Like, yeah. You know, um, and I I'm of the mind that you know I will, you know, anybody who wants to read it and or or is willing to read it and give some feedback. It doesn't matter if they're, you know, yeah. how savvy they are film-wise or not. I think all all feedback is I'm very open to and and happy to hear. Um, but, um, you know, for me it comes out like I don't want to waste people's time, you know. And so I if I have a real question about something, sure. you know, I'll put it in, in front of a collaborator. But, um, I don't know, script-wise... I, I I tend to
0: edit my own stuff and yeah, um, dialogue still kind of hard to do or something natural for you. Uh, you know, weirdly, dialogue
1: has always been natural. For, like when I had writing classes in college and whatnot, they you know the folks there always liked my dialogue, and I don't I don't know exactly why. I think um, you know you. There are some good books about how you know really yeah. every scene and every you know f- pretty much every line in every scene has to have some conflict in it. And um uh, I think when I'm writing um, I'm you know there there are tons of things i I don't do well, yeah. but one thing i I can do is like juggle a lot of balls in my head
0: while. Sure. and writing. And I so, think that's yeah. a, a skill for writers and essentially is you have to be juggling characters, juggling yeah. the idea.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, characters, you know, not saying what they're doing explicitly
0: and, you yeah. know, show, don't tell and that kind of stuff, I think is obviously very well, important. I, for me, I think it's hard because you're, every, every line is revealing something more about them, right? Mm-hmm. And rather than mm-hmm. just trying to explain the story and move it along. But you want to give a little bit of like an onion, keep peeling yeah. the characters back yep. until Yeah. And that's kind of a very, especially a, a unique talent to do as dialogue, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, especially since if it can do it really natural, that you don't even realize that this is going on. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And, um, and being, you know, being, if you can write and direct, or if you can have your writer on hand while you're making your movie, um, that's just, I, I think that's, you know, hugely worthwhile in terms of, um, I, I. you know, one of the things I tell everybody, when we have that, you know, drink where all the cast and crew go out, um, yeah. you know, a couple weeks before production, I, I tell, my, tell everybody, I have a couple things I like to mention to everybody, and one of them is um, that I, I like to have everybody keep an eye out for, um, um, I think it's... Um, Aaron Sorkin, maybe, who, and I'm sure tons sure, of people say it does this. really good dialogue. Yeah. yeah, and he says like the biggest sin you can commit is to tell the audience something they already know, and you know with dialogue that could be, you know, saying something twice. But I think it also goes, you know, you can you can peer at it much in much more subtle ways, in that like, you know, if the lighting can tell the mood, right. Uh, you know, then the character doesn't have to or, you know, whatever. And so um, if you have your actors keeping an eye out for any time that they can do something physically... because right, essentially you it, are wasting their
0: time, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They and already know it. They don't have to tell me
1: it. Yeah, and if, you know, if the way a, a man and woman act together, you know, the way he touches her elbow shows you that they're brother and sister rather than, you know former you know lovers or something right then you can drop that line of dialogue and if if that actor does that thing and you have that line of dialogue the audience is is gonna roll their eyes you know and i think you don't realize how much you do that in movies until you know i mean if you you go watch you know if you're watching i don't know hbo true detective or something Yep. yep like those you know writers are pros and everybody you know all hands on deck understand that concept and then you go and watch you know something that and and i'm not at all ripping on indie movies i love indie movies but you know you go you watch something that is maybe a little less professional and you'll see a lot of that stuff and that, that is what separates yeah so i think mad. a lot of times
0: and it's one of those things especially when i did my first time writing a script is mm-hmm. going back and saying the di this doesn't seem real they don't mm-hmm. seem genuine people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's very hard to do especially dialogue and if you have a talent for it it's wonderful i think it's it saves you a lot of other stuff
1: yeah and i think it's absolutely something that can be learned you know it's not like i mean i think people some no. people say you know you have an ear or you don't uh but i i don't think there's Anything and pretty much in life that you can't yeah. learn, you know. Um,
0: one thing I like about characters is they have kind of a contrast. Did you wear that for characters? They have kind of a contrast, kind of like, well, our last episode with Dan and I, we talked about The Godfather, mm-hmm. which, you know, The Godfather is a criminal, but he has certain mm-hmm. rules that you must obey, certain class totally. and elegance. That's yeah. a stark contrast. Were yeah. you kind of aware of that writing characters kind of like having a contradiction to themselves?
1: Totally. Yeah. I mean, that. That brings to mind two things. One, I mean, a big thing that I've always had to, like, or, or still do really have to watch out for is making sure that, like, when you're reading your script that you can tell the characters apart by the way they talk or the way they Right, distinct, yeah, make it very distinct, um, yeah. And, uh, I mean, like, we just watched, uh, I don't know if you've covered Annihilation, which, did you see I, the I did on my previous okay. one, yeah. Yeah, and I, I was not a fan, but... That movie was the one where I felt like all the characters, male, female, 10 years old, 60 years old, spoke exactly the same way. But um, anyway, so, yeah, contradiction in that way um, is something I I have to, like, really consciously put my my cap on and, and try to do that. And then um, contradiction in the other way where you say, like, within one character having sure. kind of, um, yeah, I think. Um, that, that's an interesting question. I don't know that I think about it as contradiction per se in my mind, but I do, I mean, I want even smaller characters to be kind of round right. characters and, and, you know, for instance, our, our two cops that are, are, you know, could be pretty straightforward, you know, have a, a little bit of a dynamic where, you know, it, an understated under dynamic. Yeah. And and I think that kind of stuff, like, makes it, you know, when you're doing a scene that's expositional, it makes it interesting and enjoyable anyway.
0: You know? Are you aware of kind of limited amount of characters in there? Or are you comfortable juggling so many or?
1: Yeah. Um, I um, I'd really like... Or I'm really impressed by like when I watch a movie, the the shorter the time frame, the fewer the characters, the fewer the locations, I, I that always yeah interests me. And so like, you know, when you can make a you know, a one room drama or whatever work or like uh like glenn Gary, glenn ross for example i think you which know is, the which two sets play. right the office and the bar right <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. and and i mean i could watch the six hour version of that you know and and right. i love that speaking kind of, of dialogue that is right, wonderful right um you know so i definitely like that i mean one thing is a very nuts and bolts type of thing i i've had to realize and it's made my writing a lot better is to have scenes without your main character in them—that's something I was a blind spot for me for quite a while in, okay. in you know just comic book and and short film writing. So. Yeah,
0: especially comic book, they they really want your main character on the page on every page. page yeah, yeah. Right. Yep. And that's something that even when I'm doing it, I'm not. I'm trying to break from the mm-hmm. traditions and hopefully my. Listen, my readers will appreciate it, but that's something i always aware of. That. Why does the make that's character yeah. always have to be in there? Don't you get tired? Don't you want a little bit of other stuff? Totally. And that's, you know, speaking of, that's why I like, you know, Spawn was a nice one because mm-hmm. even though he's in there there's a lot of pages where he's not where everybody's talking about him mm-hmm. and that's one of those kind of like what they call a characters role when everybody he's not in the scene but everybody's talking about him yeah totally and then all he has to do is make an appearance and oh there he is and they're all impressed and he hasn't done anything yet so right right yeah I think that's another one of those tools that people can use when they talk about a character and they actually give an explanation and then they can see him so
1: totally yeah yeah, yeah. and you're the more you can trust your audience, the more responsibility you can put on your audience, the better off you are, I think. And I think that's that's a way to do that. Yeah, know, I like that, yeah. You're you're trusting your audience to look through the lens of a certain character. Or like, you know, when, when you have kind of the unreliable narrator telling something, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think that that can be a pretty enjoyable thing for an audience to, you know, look at something, be taking it at face value, and then realize you know, things aren't that way and then they have to kind of go back and re-examine the way they were absorbing things five minutes ago or something. I think that's, you know, that audience feels that you're trusting them to do that and and feels satisfaction in their own capability
0: to do it. Um, did you have the ending in mind or did you work it out?
1: Yep, yep. Um, I, I'm i very much a, uh, um, you know, Make structured right um plans or whatever and i work uh, general to specific so i'll make you know essentially a log line refine that make a one paragraph synopsis refine that make a one page synopsis you know and then break it down into scenes and and what's going to happen in each scene and why and who are the characters and then when I go to like sit down and actually, you know, write it at the computer, um, for me anyway, it keeps me from having to like keep taking off my writing hat and putting on my you know wondering right. hat or whatever <laughs> yeah. you know. So like yeah. the I mean there's there's definitely some creativity when you're writing the scene out, but um, not you know. Um, you don't need you know the inspired flash of of wild you know catching fire creativity in order to yeah. get it done it's like you know you can look right next to you and okay this this and this or what has to happen here how do I make that happen and that for me is
0: keeps me from having writer's block or
1: anything so
0: um so um you've done another movie after gun what's yeah. this other project you're working on do yeah so we us?
1: we had shot a short film or the 45 minute thing, um, a couple of years ago. And okay. it was essentially, it was a date that, um, kind of turns into a heist and, or, you know, a crime. And these two people on their first date, you know, kind of learn a lot about each other on this, in this thing, you know, the one is kind of using the other. And, um, and so we'd done that and it was 45 minutes and it was all, Kind of one take, so we wow were, really yeah we were following them you know with one camera through you know when they were in the car and then they you know go to rob this store and then they go to hide out and um and so we had done it over just like two weekends and it was you know did it pretty quickly you know we we wanted to challenge ourselves to see what we could make in and that's a pretty weekends. big challenge <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know and the and the crew was just really game and the and the cast and they were really yeah. you know just really willing to like try this crazy thing, which was great. Um and so it ended up um uh, we got this thing and and we liked it. And, you know, to be honest, it wasn't like there, but it was it was a really good, you know, nugget for something, we thought. And so we wanted to revisit that. So um we fleshed it out more and the first one, a lot of it was improvised by our actors, which they did a great job, but you know, there's no there's no amount of improvisation skill okay. that's going to, you know, compete with, you know, scripting something out and whatever. So we um, shot that. Um, and this one's, you know, maybe hour and 20 minutes or hour and a half kind of thing. Reshot that um, maybe three months ago, two or three months ago. And have okay. been working on the score and ADR and stuff. Since so that, you have a so.
0: you have the title or
1: Yeah, that one's called American Tender and um we just um sent a um kind of a screener out just yeah. to see what's, you know, what the vibe is on that and um it uh a lot of the same crew, mostly different casts. Okay. Um but yeah, it's it's something different, you know. I mean, following people along, around like that, and without and a script, was that kind of time?
0: you're getting out of your comfort zone? This
1: one, um, this, yeah, when we did it the first time and yeah. was without a script, that was that was uncomfortably out of my comfort zone, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Um, it strangely does, <laughs> right, right. Um, but this one we scripted all the way out, so okay. I mean, our actors really had their work cut out for them and they did great and um and you know kind of a an interesting thing is with the script it allows you to call out times where people don't need to talk and i think you you know even great improvisational actors are never going to know when the score is going to be able to do the lifting for them and whatever so yeah that was an important
0: part of writing it out well, my gosh, we're we're kind of out of time. I wish we could yeah, talk for another hour, but love uh, it. Um, how can people be able to be watch Gun if they can't make yeah, it to premiere? Right. That's
1: my that's my favorite question. Yeah. Um, so we um, we are um, getting distribution with if I should really know all the places that people could watch it, but I know for sure Amazon Prime is one of them. They can find it on Amazon Prime. Yeah, and that that probably. They're on their own, the Amazon people are on their own schedule there. And right. so, let's see, it's early
0: June, I would say early August, maybe it'll be available there. It, I think by their schedule, like a lot of new stuff comes. I noticed that last year, mm-hmm. that stuff that some movies that come out, they'll come out all of a sudden the new stuff will come out in August. I yeah, yeah. I think you're yeah. right,
1: yeah. Um, and then, you know, the iTunes and... Voodoo, or what you know, all, all those okay. sort of places you'll, you'll be able to grab it.
0: So, CJ, yeah, thanks for very much for coming on and talking about oh, the movie. Oh, my pleasure, yeah. absolutely, my pleasure. Yeah. And um, good luck with the movie. I'm looking f- much forward to it. Thank you, sir. <laughs> right. yeah. this life, you oh, can you face these you left? You left your love, and now you can't come back. It's gonna bleed your soul And I can't say